You're going to love this. Just love it. What's not to love? He's right, you know. Why, oh why? I got the feeling there's something right. Oh, uh, that's why. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Nope. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Clowns and jokers, beware. I'm stuck in the middle From Pacifica you. Radio in and Los Angeles, this is... The broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 and <laughs> in L.A. Off to a great start. I'm blaming you, Desi. <laughs> Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ in the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. Way out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and coast-to-coast and around the world on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and Blanketing the Globe five days a week. On Radio Sputnik. Glad you could join us for another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. The economy added 215,000 jobs in March. That is the 73rd straight month of private job growth. Imagine, imagine uh, what what situation, what what the world would be like, what this country would be like right now if we didn't have an obstructionist Republican Congress from day one who has been blocking the president, who has not allowed him uh, to do what we would normally do in a recession, much less after the Great Recession brought on by uh, George W. Bush and friends uh, and Bill Clinton. Shall I throw in him? Yeah. And Phil Graham and, of Texas. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we would, you know, they would have added government jobs, infrastructure jobs and so forth, the kind of stuff uh, that usually helps the country get out of out of recession. Uh, we, we weren't allowed to do that this time. The size of government has actually fallen in a big way since uh, since Barack Obama has taken office. But uh, but don't tell but don't tell any Republicans that. He's just, you know, grown uh, the government, big government, big spending, tax and spend liberals like Barack Obama. I wish. Other than that, uh, <laughs> and uh, 73 straight months of private job growth, 215,000 new jobs in March. Other than that, Obama and his Obamacare, which has resulted in more than 20 million now having access to basic health care. Other than that, he's been a total disaster. He should not be allowed to appoint anyone to the Supreme Court or to be president anymore. Because, you know, we're a bunch of whiny Republicans. Uh, but even with those uh, new job numbers, by the way, in March, unemployment ticked up from 4.9 percent to 5 percent. Uh, 
We're going to talk uh, to financial reporter David Dayan about uh, that, I think, on our next thrilling episode. Is oh, he going to clarify thrilling. this? Oh, okay. I'm sure he will. He's very good at explaining how these financial thingies work. So the economy <laughs> improves and then unemployment goes up anyway. So we'll figure that out from him. And uh, uh, like I say, I think it's, uh, if the radio and news gods are with us, we'll talk to him about that and about this huge movement that is now going on, not just by activists, not even just by presidential uh, candidates like Bernie Sanders, but this huge movement going on in this country, this very real movement moving to a $15 an hour minimum wage in this country. So anyway, that's on our next thrilling broadcast, I hope. Uh, but coming up on this show today, among other things, Desi Doyen returns hey. with the Green News Report. Uh, state, with, uh, state Attorney General, and we've been waiting for this for a while, the State Attorney Generals are now uniting about 20 of them, is it? Yes, yeah. 20. It's a kind of a big deal. Uh, to investigate ExxonMobil. For their climate change fraud potential, no, it's, it's real. Alleged. Well, it it is uh, real. We saw the documents. We knew that back in the seventies, they were very, very concerned about climate change, and then we knew they went out, uh, spent millions of dollars to support climate change denial. Yes, yes, yes. We know. Misled, misled their uh, uh, their investors and so forth. Uh, so now the state AGs are finally getting together to say, yeah, that's a problem. We're going to do something about it. That is fraud. You, Desi Duran, will also debunk another uh, Republican EPA zombie lie, as you like to call them. There these, are so many. These lies that never die. Uh, new data on Americans at risk of fracking earthquakes. A disturbing, very disturbing report about sea level rise. Oh, man, again. Uh, but some good news about Scotland. Yes. We'll, we'll just leave it at that, right? Yeah. Good right. news about Scotland. Just wait. Okay. Now, from that good news, we move to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> there is... Uh, Oh, brother. You know, my spidey sense has been telling me uh, that uh, I'm quite worried. I'm quite very worried about what is going to happen in Wisconsin on Tuesday in this crucial primary, crucial for both Democrats and Republicans alike. This is the first election that we've been talking about the last couple of days, the first election, first big election in Wisconsin with this photo ID restriction in now in place, which will affect some 300,000 registered voters in Wisconsin. If you talk to people in Wisconsin, uh, they also think that may be a conservative number. We'll see how many of them try to show up and vote uh, without the proper photo ID that is now required by Republicans in that state, despite the fact that a, a, after a, a federal judge, after a full trial, found that, in fact, this law will prevent far, far more legitimate votes than it will possibly could possibly stop fraudulent votes of which the state was unable to show any when they passed this law, because this law is not about stopping fraud at the polls. It is about stopping voters, specific voters. Oh, here's one of them. Johnny Randall, 74 year old African-American resident of Milwaukee. Ari Berman has been doing a great job, by the way, uh, covering these stories around the country. He's got this one out today uh, in the nation. Johnny Randall, um, 74-year-old African-American resident of Milwaukee, moved to Wisconsin from Mississippi in 2011. That was the same year that the state legislature in Wisconsin passed the law requiring a government-issued photo ID to cast a ballot. 
It was passed in 2011, but it was blocked. It was stopped. Courts, court after court, looked at it, found it unconstitutional under both state and federal law. They found it to be a violation of the Voting Rights Act, everything else. But a federal appeals court has let this thing go through. Anyway, Johnny Randall moved in 2011 up to Wisconsin. uh, And with the help of his daughter, he petitioned the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, to issue him a free ID for voting because he could not afford to pay for his Mississippi birth certificate. One of the arguments has been that it's a, that these laws are a poll tax. Even if you give away a free ID to someone who doesn't have it, you still have to pay for the underlying documents like a birth certificate, a passport, etc., well, so he petitions the DMV to get this to get a free ID after a five month adjudication process. The DMV denied his request. His daughter ultimately was able to track down his Mississippi birth certificate. But lo and behold, the name listed Johnny Martin Randall didn't match the name he'd used his entire life, which is Johnny Martin Randall. I don't understand. I know, because you have to see it. It, it. When it's written, it's Johnny is spelled J-O on his birth certificate. Johnny is spelled J-O-H-N-N-I-E. In real life, he says J-O-H-N-N-Y. The middle name is also different. Martin, M-A-R-T-O-N on his birth certificate. In real life, he uses M-A-R-T-I-N. And his last name. Uh, on the birth certificate, it's Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L. In real life, R A N. D-L-E. So the DMV said that he would either need to correct his name through the Social Security Administration and get a new Social Security card reflecting the name on his birth certificate, or he would have to go to court to change his name and provide court documents reflecting that his name has legally been changed to read as uh, Johnny M. Randall spelled the other way. But Randall worried that any change to his Social Security information might interrupt the monthly disability payments he survives on. He was forced to choose between his livelihood and his right to vote. And as of the April 5 presidential primary, he will still not be able to vote in Wisconsin. After voting without incident, Ari Berman notes, in the formerly Jim Crow South, he was disenfranchised when he moved to the North. So uh, that's just one story, but uh, one that I suspect may become very familiar next week, uh, depending on how many people are affected by this in the primary, much less in November. In the meantime, uh, there are a lot of people trying to vote early to avoid problems like like we've seen in other states around the country uh, due to these new laws and all kinds of other... uh, other things that are purposely being done to uh, make it harder for Americans to cast their uh, to cast their vote to exercise their right to vote. So people are trying to vote early. I think they call it absentee voting, early absentee in Wisconsin, um, where you know they're and they're trying to get photo IDs. They're going to the DMV to try to get photo IDs. Therefore, it's quite disturbing. When we get this note today, this comes in uh, via Joanne Boyer on the Twitters. Thank you, Joanne, for this. Uh, Senator Chris Larson, state senator Chris Larson up in Wisconsin, writes, Currently, all Department of Motor Vehicles locations across the state are experiencing computer outages and are unable to assist neighbors in obtaining uh, photo ID. 
which is required for this Tuesday's election. We are in communications with the Department of Transportation regarding this issue. We'll update neighbors as we get more information. He notes that if you do not have a current photo ID, uh, here are some examples of photo IDs that can be used if they expired after, the, the, even if they expired after November 4, 2014. Uh, Wisconsin uh, Department of Transportation issued driver's license, even if driving privileges are revoked or suspended. Wisconsin Department of Transportation ide- uh, issued identification card. If you can get one, if the computers go back up, uh, military ID issued by U.S. In, uh, uniformed service, U.S. passport, etc. Not many options, though. Not as many options as there used to be. And if you are like Johnny Randall, you apparently can't vote at all. More information now on this state server problem. Um, the state server failure cut off local clerks for most of Friday morning from the state's voter registration system and others, creating a temporary tangle of problems just four days before Tuesday's critical presidential primary, according to the Journal Sentinel. They need that system to issue absentee ballots and to print poll books, so it's creating quite a few problems for clerks. Uh, says Mike Haas at the uh, Government Accountability Board, which for the time being oversees elections in Wisconsin. The nonpartisan Government Accountability Board, uh, which is now being done away with because the Republicans don't like nonpartisan people being in charge of elections. Uh, the, uh, the hang-up added to the challenges from higher-than-usual absentee voting for a spring election The director of the Milwaukee Elections Commission says he's never seen this volume of overseas and military voting in a presidential primary. Uh, There was an internal hardware problem, apparently, that slowed the entire system down to the point that the network could not communicate with state agencies on Friday. The situation has now been resolved after several hours. Uh, The system is now beginning to come back online. In addition, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation system for issuing driver's licenses and IDs was affected. So you couldn't vote. You couldn't get IDs for several hours on Friday, just days before this crucial primary. Gosh, I hope that doesn't happen on Election Day. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, This... The uh, uh, the uh, one Wisconsin now uh, voter advocacy group out there is calling for state officials to allow longer absentee voting hours to make up for the problems on Friday. And now we've got a third poll in a row this week showing that Ted Cruz is now beating Donald Trump on the Republican side. And Bernie Sanders is now leading Hillary Clinton just barely on the Democratic side. This uh, new survey is from Fox News. And it is uh, very similar to the one released uh, Wednesday we talked about uh, previously on this show from Marquette University. This poll shows uh, Sanders now leading Clinton by five points, which is a turnaround from just last month when she was leading up in Wisconsin. So things are going on. Something's happening. And um, on the Republican side, this Fox poll uh, also mirrored the Marquette poll showing um, Ted Cruz up by 10 points over Trump. So now we have uh, several uh, surveys, several polls that echo that very interesting change on both sides of the equation in Wisconsin prior to Tuesday. But of course, people have to be able to vote. 
And I'm worried they won't be able to. And we already know that people uh, who wanted to vote on Friday who are going out of town over the weekend, the story quotes uh, someone uh, who, who is leaving town tomorrow who has to vote today or they're going to be out of luck, uh, that this has certainly inconvenienced them and made it so that the many of them can't, can't cast a vote at all. That's what happens, I guess, when you re- rely on computers for your elections. That's... Uh, only one of the things that happened. Boy, I'm still working on a story. We'll see if uh, if this thing pans out. But I've been working on a story now for a few days uh, coming out of Illinois that is just mind-blowing concerning electronic voting systems used in that March 15th race out there. Um, in, in, in Meanwhile, there's uh, another election in St. Louis, my old hometown. Uh, there's another election tomorrow. They have, Missouri had their... Uh, primary a couple of weeks ago, also on March 15th, I believe it was. Yeah, March 15th. Uh, And in that case, the results were so close on both the Democratic and the Republican side that we will never actually know who won because the margin was so close and the number of 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting machines was so large, since they are completely unverifiable, we can never, ever know if they accurately recorded anyone's votes and I can tell you this from, for a fact, <laughs> I've been covering it for a while. Uh, so we will never actually know who won in Missouri on the Republican or the Democratic side in that presidential primary. But now they've got another primary on Tuesday in uh, in St. Louis County and in St. Louis City. This is on uh, April 5, the same day as they'll be uh, voting up in the big Wisconsin presidential primary. But touchscreen voting will not be available in St. Louis City or County for the first time in years. Officials say that only paper ballots will be available on Election Day. Hooray. Because of the short turnaround between the presidential primaries and the upcoming uh, election on Tuesday, which makes it difficult to reprogram the machines. So wait, (laughs) all the money that they spent, the millions of dollars on those machines, and they're not Mm -hmm. actually going to use them because they're not flexible enough to well here's the thing if when you use a touchscreen voting system you have to vote you you have to program every single machine everybody needs one when they use one right if you use a a paper ballot optical scan computer which i don't like much more but at least there is the possibility of being able to verify uh, you know people's ballots unlike with any kind of touchscreen machine even if it prints out one of those little paper ballots uh, when you have an opscan you can have one single opscan computer for the whole precinct as a matter of fact you can have zero you can just send the ballots back well you could hand count them at the precinct the best thing to do or you could uh, you know send them back to the county and, and scan them there so you only have to program at most one uh, computer per polling place, unlike with the touchscreens where you need one for every single voter. So they don't have time to reprogram these stupid, expensive, you know, error prone, hackable voting machines that they are still insulting voters with in uh, in, in my old home uh, state in St. Louis City and St. Louis County. Uh, but then so this is, yeah, another reminder of the additional expense and cost that government has to take in order to assure that voters continue to vote on these 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen uh, systems. Uh, but not on Tuesday, not on Tuesday. It's paper. Let's just hope they have enough paper ballots, unlike what has happened in uh, what happened in uh, places in Illinois 
which led to long lines, which led to people not being able to cast their vote. Oh, and a reminder to St. Louis election officials, um, Kinko's, can I say Kinko's? FedEx Kinko's, just if you run out of ballots, just go make copies. That's fine. Make Xerox copies. You don't have to do what uh, whatever the hell they did in Illinois. Tell people to wait. and wait. Just make some copies. Paper ballots. Yes, you'll have to hand count those paper ballots. Too bad. Then we'll actually know if they were counted accurately. So uh, please, please don't turn people away in uh, in my old hometown of St. Louis. You've done it before. Turned people away. Don't do it again now, please. Please. That's all I'm asking. All right. Um. Uh, let's go back to some more good news. Some more good news. Uh, a federal judge in Mississippi has voided that state's ban on same-sex couple adoptions. A federal judge in Mississippi Yay. ordered the state to drop its ban on adoptions by same-sex married couples, saying on uh, on Wednesday that it does not pass muster under the Supreme Court's 2015 landmark marriage ruling. The law was said to be the last of its kind in the U.S. Uh, but uh, but haters, haters, don't worry. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. There are efforts to skirt the full implementation of the Supreme Court's decision in Obergefell v. Hodges uh, using laws that have been described as religious freedom acts. Those still remain alive and very well in a number of Republican-led states where they hate people and they want to implement these measures discriminating against, you know, people like transgender people because we hate them. So let's make their life uh, horrible. Indeed, as uh, Washington Post points out, the Mississippi legislature has just approved a bill that says, among other things, public employees, businesses and social workers cannot be punished for denying services based on the belief that marriage is strictly between a man and woman and, and that the state government can't prevent clerks from refusing to license a same-sex marriage. Uh, well, maybe the state government can't, but I'm pretty sure the federal government can. The measure is currently in, uh, in a conference committee to work out the differences, but uh, this uh, discrimination bill, this pro-discrimination bill, looks like it may pass in Mississippi. The state's prohibition on adoption by same-sex couples was enacted way back in 2000 as state and federal courts began the process of legalizing same-sex marriage in various places around the country. That prohibition reads simply, adoption by couples of the same gender is prohibited. That law was challenged by four lesbian couples who wished to adopt children either privately or through the state's foster care system. Uh, the uh, couple of the plaintiffs here uh, published a, uh, a statement. This is uh, Susan Rostowski and Catherine Garner. They have a 15-year-old son. They said they were overwhelmed with joy. Their son just turned 16 on Easter Sunday. He's going to get his driver's license tomorrow. Oh, he'll be able to vote. Um they, they said uh, to have this ruling and to be able to start the adoption proceedings means everything. There is no greater joy on this planet than to have him as my son and for the world to understand, appreciate, and affirm that he is my son. It means everything. Yay. See? Yeah, happy, that's some good news. Happy news. Yay. Uh, of course, we'll see. Mississippi could still appeal Jordan's ruling. We will find out. Yeah, I know. Got to get to a break. We will momentarily, uh, but uh, okay. We, uh, one more, 
One more piece. Yeah, should we do this? Uh, the uh, the Godfather of uh, what do they call this Wall Street Godfather over on CNBC. They do this um, this series where they you know, interview these hoi polloi, these rich, these wealthy, these uh, these sharks of Wall Street. This story actually this happened a couple of weeks ago. It was just brought to my attention by uh, by Ernest Canning, who's done. Uh, Who's our legal analyst at Bradblog.com? He's he's taking a break to be the uh, an advisor at Vets for Bernie. Uh, so over on CNBC, they interview this guy Asher Edelman is his name. He's one of the Wall Street Godfathers, and apparently uh, the film Wall Street with the character Gordon Gecko is based in part on this guy Asher Edelman. So they were interviewing him. Uh, asking him some questions, a panel of CNBC, what do we call them? Anchors, Nuc- reporters. I was thinking knuckleheads, okay. idiots, <laughs> right-wing, anyway. Uh, so uh, they were asking him, uh, you know, about about the recession and about his, well, go ahead and play this, uh, Des, and we'll talk about it. You say that we are currently in a recession. Every Fed official who speaks to us tells us we are not in a recession. What are they missing? I think it's pretty straightforward. The average American has not had an increase in pay in 15 years, but things have cost, cost more in the marketplaces. He has been in a recession for 15 years. Nothing's changed for him. Uh, up at the top, we're not in a recession. But 80% of the Americans have been in a recession for at least 15 years. So how does that uh, translate into investing into the stock market? Is it that it's a recession that nobody seems like nobody realizes we are in one? And certainly nobody realizes we've been in one for 15 years. Who is your nobody? Yeah, who is your nobody? I think the broader investing public. If you uphold anybody on the street or anybody on this desk well, right it here. Like, it sounds like you're talking more about financial oppression than you are an economic decline. I mean, I, I get the fact that a lot of people aren't doing as well because a lot? S- structurally society isn't rewarding them maybe where they should. I don't, I'm not going to get into that. That's a social but issue. It, I'm talking about money and economics. People can buy less for what they have now than they could 15 years ago. In their lives, that's a recession. Yes, that's a recession. And I love the fact that, you know, he says, who is your anybody? She said, well, if you poll anybody on the on the street or, or people at this desk, <laughs> you know, the five of them sitting on there if in their bubble in CNBC. If you ask any millionaire journalist, they'll yeah, tell you. Any millionaire journalist or, you know, one percenter who, uh, although not this one percenter. Not this one percenter who seems to get it. Now, uh, Nicole Sandler was was a guest hosting a few days ago, uh, guest hosting the broadcast, and uh, she's a huge uh, Bernie Sanders supporter. And I pointed out on the show that, you know, we don't support any particular candidate over any others. They all have enough supporters. I support the voters, no matter who they want to vote for, no matter how terrible their candidate may be. And, and she sort of described you and I, Des, as, as neutral on this issue. And I would not say we are neutral. That is not, I've never said I was neutral. I try uh, to be fair. I've never even said I'm objective. We try to be fair. And so we point out, uh, you know, and other people have pointed out to me, oh, it sounds like you're, uh, you, you really like Bernie Sanders. You're in favor of him. Well, you know what? I'm not endorsing him. I don't even know if I'm going to vote for him. I, I don't know. Uh, any of that. All I know is what the facts are. And we try to put the facts out there. And you can decide. uh, Yes, we do cover Bernie Sanders a lot because he is unbelievably undercovered for some reason in the corporate mainstream media. 
so we try to, uh, you know, even the scales a little bit here and, uh, you know, point out the actual facts. Much as we point out the actual facts when we cover the Republican candidates, you know, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz. Uh, if I think they are idiots, if I think they've said something stupid, I will call them out as having said something stupid. And I will hopefully point you to the facts to support my assertion. That doesn't make me, uh, you know, so I'm not objective. I'm not neutral. Uh, I'm fair and I point out the facts and I support those facts. Uh, so when it comes to Bernie Sanders, you know, it has taken a long time. We have followed this campaign very closely. Yes, if you are a progressive Democrat, Bernie Sanders is probably uh, a better candidate for you on policy. Uh, that's just a fact. That doesn't mean I support him. That doesn't mean I think you should go support him. In fact, uh, an argument can be made that Hillary Clinton is a much better politician than Bernie Sanders. And as a better politician, as, uh, you know, having more control over the Democratic Party machine, an argument can be made that she would have an easier time winning in November. Now, polls show otherwise so far. Head-to-head -head polls show that Bernie would do better against uh, really any of these uh, uh, potential Republican candidates than she would. But a case can be made for both. So we try to present you with those facts. Anybody who says uh, that journalists are neutral or objective, they aren't. Nobody is. But at least you know where I come from. We don't try to hide it. We, I got nothing to hide here. Uh, to that end, this one percenter, Asher Edelman on CNBC, was then asked who he supported for president. And it kind of blew everyone away. You have to see the video to see their faces when he gives his answer and his explanation. But here is Asher Edelman, a, uh, a Wall Street shark, responding to the question of, of who he supports for president and why. We're asking everybody, essentially, who you think the best candidate for the economy would be. Bernie Sanders. Without a doubt. Why is that? What, no what question. Policies? Well, I think it's quite simple again. If you look at something called velocity of money, you guys know what that is, I presume. Mm -hmm. That means how much gets spent and turns around. When you have the top 1% getting money, they spend five, ten percent of what they earn. When you have the lower end of the economy getting money, they spend a hundred or a hundred and ten percent of what they earn. As you've had a transfer of wealth to the top and a transfer of income to the top, you have a shrinking uh, consumer base, basically, and you have a shrinking velocity of money. Mm -hmm. Bernie is the only person out there who I think is talking at all about both fiscal stimulation and banking rules that will get the banks to begin to generate lending again as opposed to speculation. Okay. So from an economic point of view, it's straightforward. Wow. Right? Yeah. And the look on their faces at CNBC when they said, who's the best uh, for the economy of the president? Again? Bernie Sanders. What? I, it was, you know, and now I have not heard that uh, phrase, actually, velocity of money. So I hope we'll, we'll be able to ask uh, David Dayan about it. But the concept, the concept that when uh, people who are not rich, when they get paid, they spend, they it. spend the money. I can tell you that firsthand, man. Uh, you know, we spend it, you know, what money we can get. And so uh, that is true across the board. 
you know, for the lower and middle class. They get money and it goes immediately into the, the economy. It floats all boats. And that is just a point of view that is not heard very often. It's shocking, frankly, that it was made, uh, that it made it onto CNBC at all. I'm very happy that it was. I'm very happy that we were able to get it here onto the broadcast so that you can hear it and you can decide and you can take that in mind, his opinion at least, which I believe is supported by facts, you can take that in mind when you go to vote, if you are allowed to vote wherever you live. Take a quick break, and we are back with more here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. It is not. There's a man with a gun over there. Uh oh. Telling me I got to beware. Mm-hmm. You should beware. It's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with you. There is something going on here, something going on in those polls on both the Democratic and the Republican side up in Wisconsin. Man, I boy, do I hope I'm wrong about what could happen on Tuesday. I hope everything goes really well. Everyone gets to vote and it is a blowout on both sides, both the Republican and the Democratic side. I don't care who it's a blowout for. But I just want it to be a, a, a blowout that nobody questions. What are the odds of that uh, <laughs> at this at this rate in this election year? Uh, so, yeah, something is going on. Something is going on on both sides uh, of the uh, both the Republican and the Democratic Party. But here's one that I think I, th- I think all broadcast listeners share my outrage on this. I'm going to read from this petition. In July of 2016, the GOP will host its convention at the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. Though Ohio is an open carry state which allows for the open carry of guns, the hosting venue, the Quicken Loans Arena, strictly forbids the carry of firearms on their premises. I'm sure we are all absolutely outraged by that going to be a contested convention you know that right does he do yeah and and yeah yeah <laughs> so uh and as this petition goes on to say 
this is a direct affront. Banning banning guns at the Quicken uh, Loans Arena. This is a direct affront to the Second Amendment. It puts all attendees at risk. As the National Rifle Association has made very clear, gun-free zones like the Quicken Loans Arena are, quote, the worst and most dangerous of all lies. The NRA, our leading defender of gun rights, has also correctly pointed out that gun-free zones, quote, gun-free zones tell every insane killer in America that the safest place to inflict maximum mayhem with minimum risk is in a gun-free zone. A gun-free zone like the Quicken Loans Arena for the GOP convention in July. This will force attendees, as the petition notes, to leave their firearms at home. The RNC, which is apparently fine with this, I don't get it. Uh, the RNC and Quicken Loans Arena, they are putting tens of thousands of people at risk, both inside and outside the convention, by not allowing people to bring guns. How dare they have such disregard for the safety of the attendees at the RNC? This does the petition continue. This does not even begin to factor in the possibility of an ISIS terrorist attack on oh. the arena during the convention, and without the right to protect themselves, those at the Quicken Loans Arena at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland in July, they will be sitting ducks, utterly helpless against evildoers, criminals, or others who wish to threaten the American way of life. All three remaining Republican candidates have spoken out on the issue. They are unified in their opposition to Barack Hussein Obama's gun-free zones. Donald Trump has said, quote, I will get rid of gun-free zones on schools. And on military bases, on my first day in office, it gets signed my first day. You know what a gun-free zone is to a sicko? That's bait, says Donald Trump. Donald, he's got to be furious about this. I'm sure he's calling for them to allow guns at the Quicken Loans Arena, right? This gun-free zone? How could he? Ted Cruz has also accurately pointed out, as this uh, petition notes, that shooting after shooting after shooting, I'm doing my Ted Cruz now, Shooting after shooting <laughs> happens in so-called gun-free zones. Look, if you're a lunatic, ain't nothing better. He said ain't nothing because he's, you know, from Texas. Uh -huh. Ain't nothing better than having a bunch of targets, uh, you know, that are going to be unarmed. So, again, he clearly wants guns at the Republican convention, right? Even Ohio Governor John Kasich, the so-called moderate here, He's been a leader in this movement to eliminate these deadly gun-free zones, starting with his brave decision to fight the Democrats and end gun-free zones at National Guard facilities in Ohio. So this petition has so far gathered uh, some 50,000 signatures. It says we are all too familiar with the mass carnage that can occur when citizens are denied their basic God-given rights to carry handguns or assault weapons in public. With the irresponsible and hypocritical act of selecting a gun-free zone for the RNC, uh, the party has placed its members, delegates, candidates, and all U.S. citizens in grave danger. We must take a stand. We cannot allow the national nominating convention of the party of Lincoln and Reagan to be hijacked by weakness and political correctness. You can sign this at, uh, at change.org demanding. I mean, these people, they're going to be sitting ducks without guns. What could possibly go wrong? They should allow. So uh, they're uh, calling on the uh, the NRA 
to immediately condemn this egregious affront to the Second Amendment by banning guns at the Republican convention. They're calling on Ohio Governor John Kasich to uh, use his executive authority to override the gun-free zone loophole being exploited by Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. Reince Priebus, the RNC, uh, they're asking them to uh, for an explanation of how a venue so unfriendly to the Second Amendment rights was chosen for the Republican convention. I can't get it. I don't know why Republicans aren't furious about 50. There's only 50,000 signatures on this petition. There should be a lot more. Nonetheless, the freedom haters at the Secret Service have now said, no, there will be no guns at the GOP convention because they hate freedom. These Secret Service people, they will forbid attendees to carry firearms at the RNC in Cleveland. Only authorized law enforcement personnel working in conjunction with the Secret Service for a particular event may carry a firearm inside of a protected site. Oh, they call it protected. But how can they call it protected when you have all these people in there that don't have guns? Sitting ducks. Sitting ducks. So, uh, uh, yeah, so you can go sign that at uh, change.org. The only thing I don't understand is after this petition came out on uh, on ABC News this week, Donald Trump was asked about this and he said he'd have to review the petition, uh, but added that delegates risk becoming sitting ducks, utterly helpless against evildoers and criminals because he said he was very, very strong person for the Second Amendment. Hmm. So I, I don't know why he is not demanding, demanding that the uh, guns be allowed at this convention. Uh, Ted Cruz uh, and uh, John Kasich of Ohio had not yet commented on the on the petition at the time this uh, New York Times story was released. But uh, uh, I think they have since uh, come out and said, well, we'll, we'll look at it. Uh, no, I don't think we want those guns. Uh, so they want gun free zones for you and I'm sorry, they want no gun-free zones for you and your children at your schools, but for their convention, I guess they are just fine with nobody bring, being allowed uh, to bring guns. And what could go wrong if they brought guns? I don't understand. That is only going to keep them safe. We are told that over and over again, every time there's a mass shooting, and we've already had I don't know how many of them over the past week, every time they tell us gun-free zones are dangerous. So why aren't they calling to do something about it? I just don't understand. Which brings me to this story at Reuters. The probability that Republican frontrunner Donald Trump will win his party's presidential nomination dropped sharply in the past week, while the likelihood of a brokered convention to potentially choose another candidate rose, according to the online predictions market, where I guess they place bets on who's going to win for president. Online predictions market... Uh, this one called Predict It. Trump's probability of winning the nomination fell to 44% on Friday from 67% a week ago, according to the website run by uh, Victoria University in Wellington, New Zealand. For Republican rival Ted Cruz, a U.S. senator from Texas, as you know, it rose to 34% from 14% during the same period. 
So, yeah, something is happening on that Republican side. For the first time, we are seeing Donald Trump dropped in the polls. Ted Cruz now leads by 10 points in several different polls in Wisconsin. That hasn't happened. Something is changing here. And by the way, even if Ted Cruz does get ahead, does win by 10 points, the idea that he's going to get enough delegates to win a majority uh, is uh, not yet impossible but highly unlikely. It's also becoming less and less likely that Donald Trump will get enough uh, delegates to win. So we could well have a contested convention, and yet a contested convention without everyone carrying a gun on the Republican side? Uh, how could, uh, you know, it just... Uh, it just, it, it sounds like some kind of a Hollywood movie. You think? Yeah. In the meantime, Karl Rove, I know we're going to get to a break. Karl Rove uh, now says, you remember him? Remember Karl Rove? Used to have power within the party? I think he still might if that party itself has any power itself. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) Republican operative Karl Rove said on Thursday that based on the GOP's current crop of candidates, the party might be better off picking a, quote, fresh face for the best chance of winning the White House. Whoa. That's right. Karl Rove says, Donald Trump excites a lot of enthusiasm, but he also excites a lot of anger within the Republican Party and outside of the Republican Party. And a fresh face might be the thing that could give us the chance to turn this election and win in November against Hillary. He made the remarks on the uh, Hugh Hewitt uh, radio show fueling further speculation that the party establishment could try to force a brokered convention to block Trump from securing the nomination. Karl Rove, champion of democracy. And I bet he doesn't want guns there either for some <laughs> reason. Uh, he, he conceded, by the way, Rove did, that uh, Ted Cruz is more electable than, uh, quote, more electable than uh, uh, Donald Trump because he, quote, lacks the misogynist comments and the four bankruptcies. Oh, he's, oh, he, but he's too kind. He did offer names of. Uh, he did not offer names of any possible Republican alternatives with that fresh face that he might like to see put forward uh, for the general election. All right, two points here before we get to a break. One, fresh face. They've had seventeen fresh face, literally seventeen faces that we have already gone through, and those weren't enough to come up with someone who can win. Apparently not. Now, with that said, I would love to see Ted Cruz be the nominee. Now, here's the reason why. Not because I think he'd somehow be less insane than uh, than Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump, it would probably be a lot more fun to cover if it was Donald Trump. But the reason I would like to see Ted Cruz be the nominee and not Donald Trump is because right wingers have long called for a real conservative. Quote unquote, we want a real conservative. Rush Limbaugh always says every time they lose a presidential election. Oh, it was because John McCain or Mitt Romney or Bob Dole, they were not real conservatives. And if we would only put forward more real conservative candidates, we would win. You would see that's what the American people really want. Well, if they put Donald Trump up as their nominee and lose, if they do, if they do, Ted Cruz and all the others will say, see... We did it again. We didn't put forward a real conservative. Donald Trump was, uh, you know, he was uh, pro-abortion. He was pro-universal health care. 
Uh, he used to support Hillary Clinton. He's not a real conservative. But with Ted Cruz, nobody can say he is not a real conservative. Right? Right. So put up Ted Cruz. And if he wins, well, he wins. If he loses, then what are you going to say, Rush Limbaugh and Fox News and the rest of you right-wing loons who own our public airwaves? What's your excuse going to be then? Quick break, and we're back with more broadcast right after this. Don't touch that dial. I know, it's been a while. Desi Doyen's siren song. I hear it. It has been a while because you were goofing off over Easter. We didn't have a Green News report earlier. Right. Uh, and so now we, we have uh, finally uh, a Green News report. Brand spanking new. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with Desi Doyen. And let's get to it. It is our latest Green News report. Fossil fuel companies that deceived investors and consumers about the dangers of climate change should be, must be held accountable. State attorneys general unite to investigate ExxonMobil for climate change fraud. The EPA is trying to define a puddle or a drainage ditch on your farm to be navigable waters. Debunking another Republican lie that won't die. Seven million Americans at risk of fracking earthquakes. Sea levels could rise six feet by 2100 because Antarctica. Plus, Scotland closes its last coal plant. All of those very sad stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Z Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We're here before you, all committed to combating climate change and to holding accountable those who have misled the public. Mm, this may take a while. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we've been talking about it for some months. Exxon has been lying for years about climate change. And now, finally, maybe, they may be facing some real accountability for it. Some serious accountability. 20 state attorneys general have joined forces to investigate oil giant ExxonMobil for potential fraud. That's in the wake of investigative reports showing Exxon disregarded its own scientists and instead spent millions of dollars to knowingly mislead investors and the public on the dangers of climate change. Yep, sounds like fraud to me. Saying that there is no First Amendment right to commit fraud, New York Attorney Attorney General Eric Schneiderman announced the new coalition at a press conference on Tuesday. If there are companies committing fraud in an effort to maximize their short-term profits at the expense of the people we represent, we want to find out about it, we want to expose it, and we want to pursue them to the fullest extent of the law. I, I love the uh, defense coming from the right-wingers that, oh, it, this we have the First Amendment right. We can say whatever we want. No, 
you don't have a right to commit fraud if you're a company. And the attorneys general noted that a similar coalition brought down the tobacco industry's wall of denial. ExxonMobil, of course, denies the allegations. Of course they do. Denial is their business model. Meanwhile, at a CNN town hall for Republican presidential candidates this week, Ted Cruz blatantly lied about new water pollution standards that impact the agriculture industry. Lion Ted? They're, they're hurting from an EPA who is imposing massive burdens on farms, for example, the waters of the United States rule, where the EPA is trying to define a puddle or a drainage ditch on your farm to be navigable waters and thus subject to massive environmental regulations. Now, that is a lie. What? The EPA explicitly excludes puddles and farm ditches <laughs> from the updated water standards. A puddle is not navigable waters? No, the regulations only apply to waters that connect to streams that connect to rivers that supply our drinking water. And yet, the Republicans continue to tell that lie year after year after year. Yep. It's as if their own media, Fox News doesn't bother to correct it or something. Nope. Sea levels could rise much faster than previously predicted. As much as six feet by 2100, that's double previous predictions because of Antarctica. That's according to a new study in the journal Nature. The researchers compared data from previous warm periods in Earth's past and projected that if we don't cut our carbon dioxide emissions, we could trigger accelerated melting of Antarctica's vast ice sheets, which, along with melting glaciers and the Greenland ice sheet, really could push sea levels up to three to six feet by the end of the century. Wow. I'll just call that a puddle. Man-made earthquakes are on the rise in the United States, triggered by the fracking industry's use of deep underground injection wells to dispose of toxic wastewater. In the first ever study to include the risk of induced earthquakes, the U.S. Geological Survey warns now that 7 million Americans are at risk of man-made earthquakes from Colorado to Kansas, Ohio to Oklahoma. Some good news. Ecuador has established a new marine sanctuary in the Galapagos Islands with a total ban on fishing to protect the world's most important breeding grounds for sharks. And finally, the nation of Scotland has closed its last coal-fired power plant and is now entirely coal-free. Scotland's electricity is now generated by a mix of cleaner-burning natural gas, nuclear, and renewables, particularly offshore wind farms. Britain is set to close its last coal plant next year. Well, I guess they're all going back to the Stone Age. At least that's what Ted Cruz might say. For much more on all of our stories today and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your... Green News Report. Yeah, we're going back to the Stone Age. If we can't use coal... Uh, there is it's, no it's other option. It's over. There's another way to get back to the Stone Age, however, and that would be 
nuclear weapons the way Donald Trump is calling for. And uh, by the way, Desi Doyen, uh, they are they're just wrapping up a, uh, a, a summit that uh, Barack Obama is holding. And he has responded to, you know, Donald Trump has said that uh, he's worried about a nuclear Nuclear global nuclear warming. Nuclear global warming, right. nuclear climate change. Who knows what he's really talking about? It might be about nuclear winter, but nobody is really sure. Well, I think what he's saying is he's worried about, uh, you know, that that's going to heat up the world when, when nuclear weapons start going off and that Barack Obama hasn't right. done a damn thing about it. Well, the fact of the matter is, of all the presidents ever... Uh, Barack Obama has done more uh, to to bring to rein in uh, nuclear material from around the world. And he doesn't talk about it a lot, but it has been a, a, a something that he has done for the almost eight years of his administration. Um, and uh, he, he said at this uh, summit that uh, where is my, where am I here? Uh, that some the equivalent of enough nuclear material for one hundred and fifty nuclear weapons has been secured over the past eight years. Uh, because of this policy, and he adds that uh, Donald Trump, quote, doesn't know much about foreign policy or nuclear policy. You think? All right, uh, one more. Do I have time for a little yeah. bit of, uh, very quickly, some some listener mail here. Uh, Peter D. writing in, uh, a listener uh, via Sputnik Radio, he writes in from London. He says, I work as a presiding officer at a polling station in London for every election. All 100% paper verifiable ballots. He says, I am truly amazed and appalled at the incredible denier of voters' rights and the lack of transparency in the counting that you have been reporting on in various states. Um, he says, it seems to get very little coverage in the other media in the UK. Keep up the good work, Peter. Uh, well, here's some news, Peter. It gets very little coverage in other media in the U.S. as well. I've been covering this issue for uh, well over a decade, and you almost never hear it in the mainstream media, certainly not until something goes horribly wrong. Uh, you know, certainly when it comes to these touchscreen voting machines, they act as if they are just uh, all fine, that we can rely on whatever numbers that, that come out of them. Same thing true with the optical scanners. So, yeah, you know, in places like London, they do things like vote on paper. And yes, I believe they still hand count in London. In Ireland, a few years ago, they uh, they were going to go to these electronic voting systems. Someone showed that they could be hacked and they did away with those systems like that. We have shown that these systems can be hacked time and time again, that they fail. Even when people aren't trying to hack them, they just fail. Uh, and yet we continue to use them because God bless America. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, and to you for spending a portion of your day or your night with us. It really is greatly appreciated. Yes, if you thank missed you. any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or go over to iTunes, get a free subscription, and while you're there, give us a nice review. Uh, thanks, by the way, to Granny6X for that nice uh, review you wrote for us over there at uh, at iTunes. It is greatly appreciated. You can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at TheBradBlog. That's it. Thank you, Des. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.